1: Oh, hello, welcome back to the New Books Network. This is Shu Wan. Today, I'm very happy to invite Dr. Liu Yu to join us to talk about his newest book, a History, a History of Competitive Gaming. So the first thing I want to do is to invite Dr. Liu to introduce himself to us.
0: Uh, hello, Shu. Uh, very, I'm very glad to, to be here and to join your podcast. Uh, so my name is Zhou Lu and I'm an associate professor in the School of Modern Languages, Literatures and Cultures at Maynooth University, Ireland. Yeah. My research interests uh, are the, in, include the history of sport, uh, Chinese history, uh, nationalism and uh, national identity.
1: Thank you so much for your introduction. So my next question is that I want to know what the reason you take interest in the promising field of history of video game and the esports.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for the question. Uh, so there are several reasons. First, um, it's my hobby in my childhood memory of playing all these games, Nintendo and Sega. And it's a good memory. Uh, while second, uh, my background is sports studies. And, and nowadays I focus on uh, the history of sports. Uh, that's my key research area. So I think it's an interesting and timely topic um, uh, from an academic perspective, so before I started the project, actually, um, I um, had a quick um, exploration on the current publications on this uh, topic because game studies is, is quite new compared to other established subject areas. Uh, many of the publications on esports actually focus on um, the business side, um, and uh, or some focus on the legal side. Um, and the social side of um, um, this activity, um, there are rarely some. Um, I mean, in, t- in terms of history of esports, it, it is more or less an overlooked topic. So I decided to try to try to understand the history by myself, and also I think it's a big, a, a good opportunity to turn this into, into a, a comprehensive. Book to explore the full history of esports from the 1950s to uh, the uh, to recent days. Yeah.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for your answer again. So, nothing let's go to your book. So, my first question is about your, the first chapter of your book. So, I want to invite you to talk about the oranging, historical arranging of video games.
0: Yeah, so um, it all started in the back in the nineteen fifties when the first generation of modern uh, mainframe computers began to rise. Uh, they were de- developed; they were built in uh, laboratories in uh, universities in the UK and the US, um, and uh, naturally, uh, computer scientists they began to use these computers, to try to figure out what we can do with these great machines. Uh, so one of the uh, um, uh, possibilities to use these machines to make games. Uh, so actually, uh, when you look at the history, Alan Turing, uh, who is the founding father of AI and modern computer technology himself, he, he got interested in this area, so he he, he, he tried to develop a program uh, um, to play chess. So it was designed as an AI program in the beginning to let the computer play chess game against a human component uh, opponent. So um later, Turin's colleagues and other scientists in the UK and America also joined this uh, uh, great invention to produce all various kinds of games. Uh, but most of the games in this early stage, we're talking about the 1950s, early 1960s, uh, most of them, they are table games like chess and TikTok and all these basic uh, games. Uh, and then from the um, 1960s onward, late 1960s, early ni- uh, 1970s, with the development of the technology, then they, they are, uh, now by the late 1960s and early 1970s they began to use CRT uh, uh, screens um, to show what's going on. Right? In the past, it's only a typewriter. You type, the typewriter will give you the results of the calculation. And then with all the screens, CRT screen, they can display various. Uh, images and on visual videos so scientists they also used this mainframe machine to create the so called real video games with video right? and and the, some of the early games for example this they are more or less like simulators they simulate a uh, uh, um, you know, bears game uh, it, like you, you, you play that in the pub right and also some scientists they created uh, tennis tennis for two, that's the name created in 1971. So it was designed as a game between two players, and, and they use a, a controller and uh, to to control the batch and then hit the ball. So that's the the beginning of all these video games. We can see that um, in the very beginning, many of the games actually they were designed uh, they simulated sports, either table uh, games, mind sports, we call that, right? Uh, and and um, another kind is real sport, um, and, uh, either recreational sport or competitive sport like uh, tennis. So entering the uh, 1970s and um, with the development of technology, again um, computers we, we now have much smaller computers. So instead of in the laboratory laboratories, uh, it's the mainframe, huge computers, huge machines. Now computers become smaller and smaller and more power efficient and, and faster. And, and more capable of running various programs. So students in universities in the US, uh, especially in, in, uh, in the uh, computer science uh, areas and also researchers in the US, and um, uh, they began to use this modern, uh, not modern computer, but the second generation or third generation computers to create more games. So we have a various uh, a, a diverse genre of games or diverse range of games were produced in this period, period uh, including sports games shooting games RPG games we're talking about role play games and strategy games uh, and naturally people began to use these games to organize competitions so the games they choose uh, at first is a, a game called um, um, it's a space war shooting game so the idea is that let's play this game Uh, their spaceship inside that each player controls a spaceship to see who can destroy each other first. And then that's the idea. And then um, in 1972, I think that's the first ever competitive gaming event was held um, in Stanford University's AI laboratory uh, with Around twenty students and researchers participated in that event. So I would say that's the the beginning of what we're talking about today: the the esports or competitive game.
1: Yeah. Okay, okay. Thanks so much for your for I mean for your reviewing of the early history of video game and its emer as I mean its evolution in um, in a. In a Sorry, in 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 the, in the interaction with the, the development of table game. So now let's talk about after talk about the, the early history of video game in a general sense, let's talk about uh, the rise of competitive gaming when the power of Atari phenomenon, Pac-Man Favor, and the Nintendo creates rap world in the nineteen eighties.
0: Uh yeah, so so after this early inventions um I mean, games from laboratories, right, by students and scientists. Then by the second half of the 1970s, commercial video games began to rise. Uh, We're talking about uh, Pong, for example. We're talking about uh, Atari. We're talking about uh, other companies um, that produced these early games. Uh, Ping Pong is one of the pioneers, and and that's even before Atari. Uh, And that game was designed as a kind of you use a, a TV to play the game and it's you don't need a a computer actually Uh, you use a simple console to control the images on the tv so two players one each of the player control a a patch uh, a ping pong patch then then there's a bouncing ball between in between and then uh, the two uh, players can compete and then atari based on this this idea produced uh, the famous poem and then other companies also joined this campaign to produce various commercial games, uh, expanded from pong variants uh, to all other kinds of shooting games and strategy games. So by the late 1970s, or actually from the mid 1970s, major companies, game companies, especially uh, arcade, uh, video arcade companies, they began to use uh, competition to attract players. For example, in 1974, uh, one of the first commercial video game event was organized by Sega uh, in Japan. And and, and they invited pre- players across Japan to join and to play to see who can uh, get the highest score. And so at that time in the 1970s uh, in, or in the early 1980s, it's um, the competition is all about how uh, to see who can win the highest score by tempting uh, a high score on a particular game. It can be any game, can be a puzzle game, can be a platform game, uh, can be a shooting game like Space Invader, one of the most famous uh, game at that time, and, and can be Donkey Kong as well. Donkey Kong is a platform game produced in the early 1980s. So um, so we can see the market started to take shape. A video game ar- market, uh, at that time, it was called the golden age of video games by the 90, early 1980s. We have Europe, and we have Japan, and we have America. So if you look at the landscape, most of the big companies, they're either American companies or Japanese companies. In Japan, we have Nintendo, Sega, Taito, and in America, we have Atari and Midway, and all these big names. So what they did is that these companies, they began to host competitions on various games it's very clear the purpose is to attract players so more players can play their games and um, it's for 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 promotion purposes and then uh, they will normally give small gifts to winners at that time it's only a t-shirt or a token or some some small uh, souvenirs it's different from today's esports event you're talking about million, millions of dollars for for winners at that time it was a um, uh, very very uh, different right uh, yeah, so so that's the uh, early development in the uh, by the early 1980s, uh, before the uh, the great video game crash of 1983, yep, the early commercial uh, games and uh, uh, game competitions.
1: Okay, thank you so much for your answer again. So after talking about interwoven history of a commercial video game, and competitive gaming in the 1970s and 1980s. Now let's switch to the question of reconstruction of video game industry in the context of widespread arrival of PC and internet, along with the formation of some popular esports genres.
0: Uh, Yeah, then after the crash uh, of 1983, actually, the North American um, home video game and arcade game uh, sector um, saw a a decline. And at the same time, uh, companies from Japan, especially Nintendo uh, and uh, Sega, uh, they continue to invest in video game industry, and they began to produce uh, those big names, consoles, for example, uh, Nintendo NES and uh, Sega Master System, Sega Genesis. And uh, then in the early 90s, Nintendo produced the Super Nintendo, and Sony also joined the the competition. So we see uh, many, many Japanese-made consoles and games flooded into Europe, into into, into America and also America uh, gaming industry also began to uh, recover by the uh, sec- in the second half of the 1980s. Um, now the gaming industry, we need to look at the structure. Uh, it's a three pillar industry. Uh, you have, first you have home game consoles like Nintendo NES right, and Sega Master System. Uh, and the, then you have the home computer sector. And then the third sector uh, is the video arcade market. Uh, So we go into those arcades, those shopping centers or these uh, 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 entertainment centers to to insert a coin and then try to play the game. Uh, The the three um, uh, sectors uh, supported each other and formed a a huge industry by the early 1990s. So what happened is that uh, in the early 1990s we see Esports sports or competitive gaming developed into different directions, uh, especially with the rise of fighting games. Uh, we are talking about in 1991, uh, Capcom uh, released Street Fighter 2, right? Uh, so the difference between these fighting games and the first generation or the early commercial games is that they pitch players against each other. So when, when we talk about uh, Donkey Kong, uh, the 1980s, big names there, or Space Invader, right? Uh, all these games, it's you, you, you play by yourself, right? You, ch- uh, you try to attempt high score, and then the system will record the score and show you there, there's even a kind of a, a list of high score players. And uh, the motivation comes from this, this, uh, uh, I want to be, be the best of the best, so if I can achieve the top sco- score, then I can put my name on the system. So uh, the other players, they can see it. So number one, number two, number three, we all have our, we can put our own names there, initials there, and followed with the score. That's a, the big motivation. And in terms of uh, competitive gaming events or game tournaments, it's all based on that concept. You achieve high score, then you are the best in Japan. How much score you achieved in a particular game it can be any game, right? And in the US, and that we have the three top players. And then uh, we invite all these players together to see who is the international champion. So it's it's more or less like a modern Olympic games from local level to regional level and to national level and to international level. Uh, And in 1990, Nintendo then organized a a major competitive gaming event um, the Nintendo World Championship. So that's how they organized the event. They invite players from all over the world. Try to attempt high scores, play uh, NES games uh, uh, like Super Mario, Tetris, and all these, uh, and Contra, all these uh, famous titles. And then uh, they had they organized uh, regional or state competitions uh, across America, and then finally a um, um, uh, 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 grand final to see who is the best player. So that's the traditional way for competitive gaming started from the 1980s all the way to the uh, 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 1990s and then come back to the fighter uh, fighting games um, started in the arcade like Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat um, by, uh, created uh, produced by Midway. Um, these fighting games were played, normally played between two players uh, uh, locally in these local arcades. Uh, and the, the idea is that uh, there are two or three rounds of games, and if you win, right, and, and you, you, can, you can see your opponent in front of you. It's not to achieve a high score, but it's like you, you beat him up in the game. You win that particular game against a real human uh, uh, opponent. So that totally changed how uh, gaming competitions were organized or, 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 or played, it. it's no longer attempt high scores. So local operators, arcades, or, or, or Campcom, the companies, the, when they organize fighting game events, it's more or less like you organize a tennis event uh, or a real sporting events. So you you, 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 you you invite, say, 30 players. So these 30 players will play each other. And then only 15 of them survive into the next round and then the semifinals, six players, then the finals uh, 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 between two players. Uh, So that makes the competition very, very intense and uh, uh, highly attractive, especially for audience. So you think about the, the high scores... Yes, it's interesting, but you see the player play against the computer, and sometimes you get bored, right? But for fighting games, it's so diverse. You can use, you can invent so many different skills in a Street Fighter uh, um, uh, series games, and, and uh, you you see the real emotion of the two competitors, and when they lose the game or when they win a point, and you can see that, that's a game changer. Then moving to the computer game sector. And we the, the personal computers began to rise. So the major difference um, for esports or for this competitive gaming uh, area is that now gamers they can connect two or more computer PCs. We call that computers together. Either use a modem to. It, at that time, there is no broadband, so they used modem. Uh, use a cable to, uh, to either use a cable to connect mo- uh, two or more computers, or you dial into the uh, a telephone network and then use that to connect to a distance uh, computer. Uh, then, in 1993, uh, we have Doom, right? Then the great FPS game. That game became one of the first uh, computer, PC computer FPS titles to support this multiplayer uh, uh, mode. It means two or more players can join a network and uh, compete against each other. Again, um, the important thing I want to mention here is that it's similar to the fighting games. It's they pitch players against players instead of against the AI to compete for high score. But what made Doom unique is that it's not only between two players. Now it can be four players. And then later versions uh, or or other similar games like Quake and other FPS games, they pitch four or more, even 16 or 32. Uh, And then by the late 1990s, we had Counter-Strike. That's uh, Most of the gamers would know that title and have that memory of competing against uh, 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 the two teams compete against each other. And the, in addition to that, we had uh, real-time strategy games like uh, uh, Warcraft uh, and then Red Alert, uh, Command and Conquer, and then Red Alert. And uh, in 1998, we had uh, StarCraft. So all these games, strategy games, is also based on the similar concept. They pitch players against each other, between, uh, sometimes between two players. And also up to eight players can compete on the same map instantly at the same time. So with the development of the internet uh, by the late 1990s, you may, we see the, the, the uh, horizon ex- expanding. In the past, in the early nineteen nineties, when we talk about Doom or uh, or Command and Conquer, it's only between normally between two players, which locally, um, uh, um, uh, and 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 or use a cable, you use telephone network to dial into another computer and you compete. So by the late nineteen nineties, we're talking about uh, LAN parties, we're talking about local uh, area connection games, and you go into the uh, a certain location, you see multiple pieces linked. Uh, to each other, and then uh, a big group, a big crowd actually joined the competition. And 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 then it's the internet is changing everything, so it's no longer uh, confined to a physical location. So you sit at home, and then you can connect to, for example, two or three or even more players in the same game to compete at the same time. So that, that was a game changer, I mean, technology changed everything. Um, uh, also changed the way games were used for competition. Uh, so now okay, we thank you so much
1: for your discussion yeah. about how the technological, infrastructural, and cultural change influenced the evolution of video game and the configuration of competitive gaming. So after that, let's go to the new millennium. So for next question, I want to invite you to talk about uh, the formation of modern esports industry and the rise of non-profit in. Esports organization and the governing bodies in the early 20th century, or 21st century, I mean.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, esports this term actually started to be used uh, since since the late 1990s, uh, and then moving into the early 2000s, uh, we see this rapid development of the esports, so called esports industry. Uh, um, especially surrounding several games, uh, Starcraft is one, and then Counter-Strike, right? And uh, 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 Warcraft, Uh, that's another game. Um, And many of the events were actually organized by uh, the game publishers like Blizzard uh, and uh, and, and other major game companies like EA. EA, uh, they make sports games, right? And uh, they organized uh, FIFA and uh, uh, NBA basketball games, um, and also Japanese game companies like Sega and Nintendo, all this, and Sony, they also continue to organize similar events. We we see more investment uh, in this area. Uh, I think the reason is very simple because there are more players and more players are interested in this newly rising uh, um, uh, way of play and way of competition, players against players, this kind of competition. So companies began to invest uh, into this area. And at the same time, we saw the rise of um, 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 esports governing bodies, uh, organizations, either at regional, local, regional, or international levels. Uh, they also began to organize major gaming events uh, with the sponsorship uh, from uh, game companies. Um, it started. At small level, regional level, and then expanded into into a big scale um, uh, events that involve uh, thousands of people at a time. And the the big name at the time was WCG uh, in Korea, which right? WCG games um, annually held in in Korea. Uh, that initiative actually was uh, supported by the Korean government, by Samsung, and by the major industry players there. And the purpose is to use these con- competitive gaming events to boost the IT industry to get more people play and to participate and uh, to promote the, the computer industry. Um, yeah. And at the same time we see the rise of nonprofit uh, organizations. So these organizations actually were most of them they were created by gamers themselves uh, and not for profit. When they organize the event it's for charity. Uh, so it's a it's different even you look at the games they used, uh, and they use old games from the 1990s or, or the 1980s, the NES or, or Sega Genesis uh, times, the 2D games, which, and 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 they still play high uh, high score games to attempt high score, or some of them they try to attempt to, to finish a game and to see. In, in the shortest period of time, in two hours or three hours. Normally a game would take us 10 hours, but they try to figure out a way to finish it in one hour to see to create a new world world, world record. But all these are kind of uh, for nonprofit purposes. Uh, it's a hobby, it's nostalgia, you get the feeling, right? Uh, so it became very diverse even within this esports uh, area or esports industry uh, developed into different directions.
1: Okay, thank you so much for your answer again. So after talking about I wanna say the emergence and the evolution of of competitive gaming and esports in the extended period. So now let's talk about the current situation of esports. So I want to invite you to discuss the obstacles and the challenging facing esports now.
0: Yeah, okay. So we've covered the briefly covered the history and um, I think the last chapter of my book uh, focuses on these challenges for future development and obstacles and and, and the the industry is facing at the moment. Um, uh, I have several points. The first point is uh, sustainability issues, Um, uh, because if we look at the industry itself, when we talk about players, normally we compare it with traditional sports like soccer and basketball and uh, and track and fields, swimming, all these uh, games. Um, in esports, we we call pro players, professional players. Reg, right? uh, they are very young. Uh, they are normally between um, the age of eighteen or twenty two. And by the age of 22, 23, you see many players would retire. It's a it's a it's a game. It's a competition for for young generation. <laughs> Um, so this raises a question for the suspended sustainability of, of the, the industry. Also, if you look at the industry as a pyramid-like industry, yes, we have professional players. We have semi-professional players. Then we have amateur players. If you look at the pyramid, um, it's a perfect-shaped pyramid. Um, how many people can get into the top to become professional players? And among these professional player circle, how many can earn money? can earn big prizes, like one or two million, or even 10 million super big prizes. That's only a few every year, not so many. Uh, but people really look at the bottom of the pyramid or the the middle of the pyramid to see how many semi-professional players or uh, prof- professional players uh, in this pyramid, and, and uh, what's the future for them and how about their life there are many many uh, reports and uh, real stories about players professional players around the world actually uh, they they receive a very low wage a wage and the salary is not good uh, and also it's not sustainable for them and um sometimes the company pay them very little amount of money and only lasted for uh, two less than two years one or two years a short period of contract and if they can't get into the top level if they can't uh, win prizes at international events then where's the future so that's my concern and another thing is uh, the ip issue and antitrust issues and uh, nowadays we see most of the events uh, they were organized by game publishers uh, copyright holders of this game uh, again, we compare esports with traditional sports. Uh, who owns the copyright? In traditional sports, anyone can organize a basketball or tennis or swimming competition at any level, and nobody is going to charge you for copyright. Is it? But for esports, no. The platform used for competition is game produced by companies. These companies own the copyright, so you have to you have to get permission from the game companies. It's okay for local level. Say I we'll have some a couple of friends, ten or twenty friends. We organize an event. Uh, the game companies won't bother that. But when it becomes big, say I want to organize a national competition, and then uh, investment is involved, uh, commercial uh, adver- advertisement is involved, and then uh, game companies may ask, "Yeah, that's that's their intellectual property. You need to pay a certain amount of money to." To be able to use the game and uh, sometimes it's the publishers decide whether to go ahead with these events or not there are several uh, examples i'm not going to talk here because uh, the time limit yeah uh, and uh, integrity issues we talk about um, um uh, cheating and gambling and and, and uh, drug issues uh, right, um, uh, like in traditional sports, and um, esports players um, are facing similar situations uh, with performance-enhancing drugs, for example, and uh, cheating during competitions. And some players, kind of, uh, they were bribed by uh, gambling companies to intend uh, to lose in certain games and to make profit. So these are all the problems we're facing, similar to uh modern games
1: yeah okay thank you so much for your answer and, if, and i really appreciate your talk today about your fantastic book so at the end of our episode today i want to talk to my audience so for my audience i want to say for my listeners if you if any of you take any interest in the history of video game in the in the promising field of game studies and even you just uh, quote um quote nerd quote uh, uh, fans of esports or video game, I highly recommend you take consider buying a copy of Doctor Liu's fantastic book, History of a Competitive Game, which is one of the best book about this topic. So thank you so much for listening our talk today. Thank you. Bye bye.